Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. This morning we're going to be hearing God's Word from Joshua chapter 4. And this is a break from our normal series in Daniel, um, which we will return to next week. But uh, Joshua's uh, chapter 4 is significant Uh, Because this is a a story that speaks to us about what Thanksgiving means. And so it's kind of funny. I say this is our annual Thanksgiving service, and this is our tradition to hear God's word from Joshua chapter 4. We're a young church. It means it's our second time. Uh, But it is actually our third Thanksgiving service. Uh, The first real public service of what would become Resurrection Community Church took place two years ago, uh, the Sunday before Thanksgiving over at New Realm. Some of you were there. Some of you had no idea uh, what, what resurrection was yet. We weren't called resurrection. Then we were called the Princess Anne Mission. But it's a significant Sunday. Um, so, but in Joshua chapter 4, which I'm about to read, to understand it, um, what the, what's going on here is the Israelites, God's people, had been, God had promised them that they would have the land of Canaan to be their land, their country. However, for 400 years, they were slaves in Egypt, 400 years after God had made that promise. So they had been slaves for 400 years. And then God rescued them from Egypt through Moses. Moses led them out of Egypt. God parted the waters of the Red Sea for them to escape from the Egyptian army that chased them. And then the, the idea was that they would go from Egypt through the Red Sea. Moses would lead them on into the Promised Land. They took a little detour because they disobeyed God and refused to go into the land because they were scared and ended up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. During that time, the adult generation who had left Egypt all died in the wilderness. And then their children were to be given the land, not under the leadership of Moses, but under the leadership of Joshua. And so in Joshua chapter 4, this is the beginning of them entering into the land under the leadership of Joshua which was kind of a scary thing for them because for all their lives they had been following Moses. And Moses was an incredible prophet. Moses spoke to God face to face. Moses had given them the Ten Commandments. Moses' face shone bright with the presence of God from speaking to him. And now Moses is dead and Joshua is leading them. And yet God shows them an incredible miracle now opening up the waters of the Jordan River The Jordan separated them from the desert where they were to the promised land that God had given them. But they were going to have to fight there. But they they crossed through the Jordan. And what we're going to read in Joshua chapter 4 is not not so much the story of them crossing through the Jordan, but how God commands them to remember crossing through the Jordan. That's really the focus of this chapter. And it speaks to us of what Thanksgiving is all about and the significance of it for us. Let's read Joshua chapter 4. When all the nations, nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? 
Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. For the priests bearing the Ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people, according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. The people passed over in haste. And when all the people had finished passing over, the Ark of the Lord and the priests passed over before the people. The sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the people of Israel, as Moses had told them. About 40,000 ready for war passed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him just as they had stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord said to Joshua, command the priests bearing the ark of the testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, come up out of the Jordan. And when the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came up from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priest's feet were lifted up on dry ground, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. The people came up out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word and for your work, the work that you did for your people so, so long ago, and the work that you continue to do for us today. We pray now as we reflect upon your word that you would speak to us, show us what it means for us today. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So uh, children, if you're following along, those of you who would have been in kids' time, you should be on the clipboard, uh, and it should at the top where it says, God speaks through his word. That's what we're listening to. You can follow along there if you can read. Otherwise, you can just listen. Um, in, my, in our living room, in our house here in Virginia Beach, uh, we have a big painting. And the big painting, um, those of you who have been there may have seen it, or you may not have noticed it, but it says it, it's a, a painting of a rainbow. Now, you might not notice at first that it's a rainbow, though it helps that it says, I trace the rainbow through the rain. It's a line from one of the songs we frequently sing, sing here at Resurrection, O Love That Will Not Let Me Go. And that painting is very significant uh, to us because I said this Sunday was significant in the life of Resurrection Community Church. Uh, last year, a year ago, we had our first annual Thanksgiving service as a church. Also, uh, Gary Malbin was baptized a year ago on this Sunday, our first baptism at Resurrection. Two years ago was the first on a fully public service of what would become Resurrection Community Church, our first preview service. But three years ago was significant for the Brock family because three years ago on this Sunday, we drove away from Atlanta. 
and we drove here to Virginia Beach. We left our church in Atlanta. We left our friends in Atlanta. We left behind the life we had known there for five years. And as we moved here to Virginia Beach, we actually commissioned this particular painting. And my wife told a friend who's a beautiful watercolor artist, she said, I want these words from the hymn, I trace the rainbow through the rain, and a, a watercolor of a rainbow. And she wanted that because it was, uh, those words were significant to us because to come here, we were coming out of a great deal of hardship in various ways, both that we had experienced there in Atlanta and also just the, the troubles of moving and uprooting and going to a new place. So we were coming through a great deal of hardship, but trusting that God was going to bring us to something great here in Virginia Beach. And I think when we asked for this painting, we imagined, you know, a rainbow. Um, and when you look at the painting, next time you're at our house, look at the painting and think about it. And if you look at the painting, you don't, you don't see a rainbow at first. Instead, you see a storm. It is a rainbow. It has all the colors of the rainbow, but they're going everywhere. It is a stormy rainbow. And it really speaks much better to what that song is talking about. I trace the rainbow through the rain, through the storms, through the trials. And so for us, it was perfect. And for us, that painting, is, it's, a, it's a stone for us. It's a remembrance. Here, the, the point of Joshua 4 is that God is commanding the Israelites to take these stones from the Jordan and set them up on the side of the river so that for all time they will know and remember that God brought them into this land, that God brought them through the Jordan River. And so in the same way, it is good for us to create these stones of remembrance for ourselves. And everybody has different things, different places, different gifts, different heirlooms, different pictures, different things that remind them of significant events. And that painting reminds us of what, of, of what God has done in our life. And it gives us hope and confidence that God will carry us through. And so my question for us this morning, as we read this story about the Israelites, as we go into Thanksgiving on Thursday, one of our favorite holidays for most Americans, the day that we get together, we eat, we give thanks, what is the point of these stones? What is the point of the stones or other symbols of giving thanks? And we find it here in this passage, the point is at the very end. It's in verse 24. First, he says, verse 23, the stones remind them that the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan. Verse 24, so that, here's the point, all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. This is the point of their stones, and this should be the point of our symbols of remembrance as well, that we would fear God forever, and that we would fear God alone. And that's an interesting phrase to think about, isn't it? To fear God. It's one of those, it's kind, of, one of those kind of Christianese phrases that we say, oh, fear God. And you're like, fear God? What, what do you mean fear God? Are we to be afraid of God? What does that mean? And it's not just a Christianese phrase. It's a very biblical phrase. So it's one that we should pay attention to and think about what it means. And as we reflect on what it means to fear God, we get a little bit better understanding when we think about two dangers that you might fall into rather than fearing God. One danger is to not fear God or to not fear anything, 
to just let the good life, let the good times roll and not think about God. It's not maybe so much of the danger right now, but this is a danger much of the time for many of us here in America. We can be caught up in the collection of wealth, in the good gifts that we have been given, and we just kind of forget about God. And so when the Bible tells us to fear God, it's a reminder to not forget about him, to not just think about ourselves, to not just think about the stuff that we can accumulate, the experiences that we can have, but to remember God and to remember that God cares very much about what we do. God has an opinion about things. God has a way that he wants us to live, a way that he wants us to serve people. And so we can't simply forget about him. We must fear him. We must remember him. We must respect him. Now, the other danger we can fall into is that not just forgetting about God, not just failing to fear him, but we can actually fear other things more or fear other people And I would say for most of us right now in this time, that's, that's really the danger for us. We are in a, it is a fearful time, and understandably so. And the Bible does not tell us to ignore danger. The Bible does not tell us to minimize danger or minimize hardship or anything like that. But the Bible does tell us to fear God more, to fear God above all things. So what does that mean? Whatever other fears we have, we do not let them take away from what God has done from what God has called us to. So we continue to focus on obeying him, on following his commands, on doing what he calls to, on giving thanks for his blessings. Because the point of the stones here in Joshua, the point of our heirlooms, our own stones like our painting, the point of our, our stones like our holidays. Thanksgiving itself is a stone of remembrance that we would stop and pause and give thanks to God that we might fear him and realign our hearts to God. And so then this passage, its primary message is to tell us that God has done great things, and so we should fear him forever. But it also tells us a little bit more. In the command to fear him, it shows us here in the story some of the great things that God has done. Of course, it tells us the great things that God has done specifically for the people of Israel, but we can see in that the way that God continues to work for us today. And so if we see the dangers that we might not fear God, either by ignoring him or by fearing other things more, we can respond to those by recognizing what God has done. And we see three things here that God has done. The first is that he sets the community. The second is that he acts personally. And the third is that he brings us to the promised land. These are the three things that God has done for the people of Israel and Joshua for us, the three things he continues to do for us today. So first, he sets us in community. I don't know if you noticed this, but there is much talk of community here in Joshua chapter 4. Like, for example, he's, he emphasizes several times that they are to take 12 stones, one for each tribe. Why? to remind them that they are a people, a community of tribes. He could have told Joshua to make any other kind of monument. He could have just said, build an altar. God says that a lot in the Old Testament. Build an altar, remember what I have done there. He could have told him to set up some other kind of marker. But instead, God told Joshua to set up a marker that emphasized 
their community. The 12 tribes. Also here, we see the note in verse, in verse chapter 4, verse 12. The sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the people of Israel as Moses had told them. Why do they mention that here in Joshua chapter 4? This is a significant issue in Joshua. Uh, those of you who are in our, our Joshua study in the Monday Night Neighborhood Bible Study may remember this. But the, uh, the, the, these two and a half tribes, Reuben, Gad, and the half tribe of Manasseh, had already been given an inheritance of land kind of toward the desert on the east side of the Jordan. But the condition of that was that they would go and fight on the west side of Jordan with their brother tribes and that they would go and fight with them to get them their inheritance as well. They wouldn't just stay over and do their own thing. And so it's a reminder here that even though those people are going to be physically over there for times to come, they are one body. They went over together. There are all 12 stones there by the Jordan. God sets us in communion. This is one of the, the beautiful things now that he continues to do. He continues to set us in community. This is why we are Resurrection Community Church. For us, community church is not just, a, not just oh, you have to have a, a name, you know, something, community church. We are truly a resurrection community. We believe God has brought us together as a community of people. You heard that in the thanksgivings that were just were spoken out during our time of speaking Thanksgiving. Thankful for the community that God has given us. The support in prayer. The support in tangible ways. Making meals for one another. Serving one another. Helping one another out in different ways. Being open and honest and vulnerable with one another. Having people to whom you can say, look, we are not perfect. We do not have it all together. But we are trying to follow God together. This is what it means to be a resurrection community. Because God sets us in community. So my encouragement to you this morning, my challenge to you this morning, since God sets us in community, what it looks like to fear God in that is to not pull away from community in hard times, but rather to invest in it. These times of particularly times of, of pandemic and social distancing and be careful about gatherings are times that make it very tempting to pull away from community to isolate within yourself. Even without that, time, when, when we come into hard times, sometimes we don't want to talk to anybody and we just try, seek to pull back. It's a temptation. But God calls us not to. God calls us not to be afraid of what people will think. Not to ignore where he has put us, but to lean into our community, especially in hard times. So this morning, if you're struggling, if you're hurting, and you're feeling tempted to pull away, let me encourage you to get the community has put together here and to lean in and ask for help. People want to help you. We want to help one another. And if you're tempted to ignore it, to just go and do your own thing, let me encourage you to invest in the community, to invest in relationships, to make time, whether it's to come to an actual to a community gathering like the, the women's Bible study that we've started here on Monday mornings, like the neighborhood Bible studies on Monday and Thursday nights, whether it's to invite somebody to get together with them outside safely, whether it's to call somebody up and check in on how they're doing because you haven't seen them in a while. We can invest in our community even within the midst of all of these challenges. So God sets us in community, but then he acts personally. God here is not an abstract God or an abstract force. Rather, he acts 
personally. Do you notice in verse, uh, oh, where'd it go? I don't know where it went. We lost it, where it went. But it says in here somewhere <laughs> that on that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel. And it's an interesting note there that the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel. He lifted up Joshua as a personal leader for them. This is not how we, uh, how we think of leadership and, and, and governments in our, in our modern society. We think of governments as rather impersonal. And it's actually a great blessing in a lot of ways. We have our impersonal governments that do things according to rules and kind of treat everybody the same. It's nice. But that's not how God is. God acts personally. God acts personally and individually and cares about us personally and individually. And he seeks relationship with us individually. And so when we come to Thanksgiving, it's one of those, you know, Thanksgiving is an interesting holiday. It's a beloved holiday for lots of reasons. One of the reasons as a culture we love Thanksgiving is because it's a fairly, it's a fairly nondescript holiday. It's a fairly non-controversial holiday. There's nothing overtly religious about it. You can just give thanks. Everybody can get together. Everybody can celebrate it. And that's great as a kind of broad, cultural, pluralistic holiday. But for Christians, we should not let Thanksgiving be just a gen generic expression of thankfulness. Instead, for Thanksgiving, we should give thanks personally to God. To give thanks to the God who has given us these things. To remember that all that we have is not just something that has happened, but are things that God has given to us. And we know this, actually. We know that what the good things we have are often good because of the giver. I want you to think about presents for a minute. Jumping ahead from Thanksgiving, jumping to Christmas. So sometimes if you get a Christmas present, and you know, children, you might be particularly interested in Christmas presents, sometimes that the present that you like the most is the shiniest. The shiniest, the most expensive, the most exciting. And that's, that's totally understandable. But in the long term, you know what the presents are that we treasure the most? They're the ones that were given to us by somebody special. The ones that mean something about a person and a relationship. In fact, I have here a little stuffed bear. A stuffed wolf, perhaps. It's a wolf. It's a wolf. And on here, its name is, is Slush. This is Asher's wolf. It has a name tag that says it's Slush. But Asher does not call this wolf Slush. For a time, he called it Wolfie, which was a good name. But then Asher started calling this wolf Logan. Why does he call it Logan? He calls the wolf Logan because his friend Logan gave it to him. And now his friend Logan lives in Germany, so he doesn't see Logan anymore. But he remembers Logan because of the gift of this stuffed wolf. Because the meaning of this wolf is connected to the meaning of the giver. And so it is when we give thanks on Thanksgiving. As we rightly give thanks for all God has given us, we remember that we do so because of the giver. And so we focus on God, the one who has given us all things. And finally, what do we see here? We've seen that God sets us in community. We've seen that he acts personally. Finally, we see that he brings us to the promised land. 
This was the point of the passage for the Israelites. They were coming into the promised land, the land that God had promised them from ages past that they had heard about. We're going to get to this good land, the land of milk and honey. And so these stones were for them a symbol that God had been faithful. God had brought them into this land. And for us today, we do not have that same physical land. That is not the land for us. But the promise for us of the whole of the Bible is that God has brought us to the promised land in Jesus. That when Jesus came, he came to give us eternal life. And that eternal life starts now. The life in the promised land for them was going to be the good life, the overflowing life. And Jesus promised when he came, Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. And that was the promised land life. The promised land life that starts now, even in the midst of hardship and suffering. We're slowly experiencing more and more of that promised land life. And the promise that even if everything falls apart in this, land, in this earth, in this lifetime, even when we die, we will go to the promised land of life forever in heaven with Jesus. It is a beautiful promise and it's something we can cling to this Thanksgiving. Whatever else may feel like it is falling apart, we can cling to the promise that God has been faithful in Jesus. And he has brought us to the promised land. And so for us, we do not have 12 stones on the side of the Jordan. But we do have our stones of remembrance on the table before us. This is what the Lord's Supper is for us. In the Jordan, uh, in, in Joshua here, God said that this was to be a memorial for them. The stones would be a memorial. And then in the New Testament, he says about the Lord's Supper that this is to be a memorial for us. That each Sunday when we look at these stones, but even better when we taste the bread and the cup, that we are remembering what God has done for us in Jesus. And so this is our ultimate stone of remembrance, the bread and the cup that sit before us. Let me pray for us and then we'll take the supper together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love to us. We thank you that you have given us the gift of your son, Jesus, to bring us into the promised land, the promised land of eternal life that begins now in relationship with you, God who has loved us and cared for us and given us all gifts from your hand. We pray that you would, as we celebrate Thanksgiving this week in whatever circumstances we find ourselves, may we give thanks to you and be strengthened to fear you alone and no others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.